जयमा फर्स्ट ऑफ ऑल वी हैव जस्ट हैड ए स्मॉल डेमोन्स्ट्रेशन ऑफ वॉट फेट इज एंड वॉट फ्री विल इज सो वी हैड थॉट अबाउट स्टार्टिंग दिस विद सम काइंड ऑफ म्यूजिक बट वी कैन से इट वॉज फेटेड दैट द म्यूजिक वॉन्ट प्ले so after trying a few things free will took a decision based on a beautiful attitude that let's all sing together the mantra is it an indication that we are entering into an age when we need not just passive listening but active dynamic participation of the collective will of mankind so this is uh, how i look at this event because all events ultimately disclose some truth which is hidden behind it as shubhendra says fate is truth working out in ignorance so coming to the subject there is a beautiful line in savitri describing man alone who stares at future's unseen face man lifted up the burden of his fate so this dilemma this problem of fate and free will is very unique to human beings when we go to the creations below humans there is an instinctive action of the will and interestingly it is very accurate it's not predictive but in terms of achieving its goal it is fairly accurate so animals are moved by instincts they don't have to make choices and with human beings there is the problem of choices also there is a need to know the future this is something uniquely human we want to know the future animals are moved in the present toward the future whatever it be but we need to know the future somewhere the mind wants to know and it wants to control it wants to master the future and its instrument is as shubhendra says the dim corporeal mind and a will that knows not what it must choose how it must act all instinct has been taken away robbed from us and we are left with a struggling stumbling will and an ignorant mind this is our present situation so at this point because we are living in the mind we look at everything as this way or that way either there is free will or there is fate but shobindo reminds us and he reveals to us that you have to look at the entire life as a movement everything is in movement there is a journey human journey is described at one place in savitri as his life is a battle and a pilgrimage very interesting so life is a journey and it starts with ignorance it starts with darkness it starts with unconsciousness it starts with suffering and it starts with death but it moves towards knowledge wisdom light bliss ananda and eventually immortality this is the journey so now when we understand this journey from one spectrum to the other everything begins to become clear so we start a life in total ignorance a child is at the mercy of everything a child doesn't even know what is the what is called as a free will and when humanity started its journey on planet earth 
or maybe who knows in some other planet in some other aeon it starts with total ignorance so when it starts in ignorance but man has been given to plan his fate man has been given to make choices so how does it make a choices it makes a choice based on ignorance and as it makes the choice it learns through consequences this is what happens very simply and what are the first challenges that we as human beings face or as a child we can look at the whole entire journey is repeated in a child so initial challenges purely physical and material forces so we take the challenge we make mistakes we learn one day we while we are making mistakes there is something which is also working from behind so one day while playing with the stones a fire is lit up is it fate is it free will is it a prompting from within because that fire is going to change the human world forever so there are now three elements which are operating one is the challenge that our environment gives to us second we try and make mistakes or click on the right button and we learn through mistakes through consequences and third there is a prompting from behind the unseen hand which is guiding us through millennium so these are the three main coordinates so initially the challenge is with material forces and i'll just take an example say 100 years back before we had discovered vitamin e vitamin a so vitamin a before we had discovered it whenever people got blind night blindness there was a illness called night blindness so what would be the typical response in ignorance punishment from god karma etc etc but today we know that well all that was required was eat more carrots and the grass will look greener so now what has happened we discovered material force material cause behind a result all fate is about results and when we discovered and mastered it we eliminated one kind of ignorance so what happened as we begin to grow into knowledge we begin to master fate this is the fundamental thing at material level as we master more and more forces that we were material life we can master fate see trains recently trains got get derailed or things happen when you're driving a car then slowly we discover safety devices we have the airbags and therefore we can to that extent master fate this is the first step then what happens we enter into another world the vital world where again we meet a set of forces vital forces so what are these vital forces forces of desire again we want things we want to have them desperately that's how the force of desire moves us we think it is my will and my choice but we are moved by desires towards things which we believe will give us happiness we are attracted by appearances and we make a choice then we learn what do we learn through the law of desire we learn that appearances are deceptive we learn that we cannot get abiding happiness from anything that is temporary some are poor learners some are quick learners that's a different story altogether maybe some are in class 2 of desire and schooling in desire some are in class 10th but as we grow through life we learn that desire deceives us it attracts and then deceives us leaves us with pain and suffering 
So what happens now? As we begin to master desire, we begin to also master adverse fate. What we call as adverse fate. If we don't master desire, we act according to desire, we have the consequences. This is called the law. Inbuilt within creation. Just like if we touch fire, it will burn. So also, there are laws which are ingrained in creation. If we chase desires, suffering will chase us. There is a very interesting line in one of Sherbindo's poem, Kama. He says, what is the rule of the game? So the rule of the game is, if you chase, it will go farther. And when you leave the chase, it will chase you. It is very interesting, one of the, you know, Chamalalji was once sharing his experience with me. He said, I was discussing something that, you know, uh, it's so difficult, you know, especially when success comes. He says, yes, success is the biggest, worst test, mother has said. And all my life I have tried to run away from success and money and it has chased me like a snake. <laughs> that was his word and I enjoyed it. It has chased me like a snake. I said, yes, I can fully understand. So now what has happened over years, that learning has gone. That That's why, you know, the fruit of knowledge which man ate, according to Adam and Eve's story. And what was that fruit? Fruit of knowledge. And he ate because he wanted to know. And then he has to fall, he has to learn everything. Why? Because till animal level, there is nothing like becoming a conscious divine. But with human being, the plan, original plan has begun to operate. What is that? Each of us must become miniature divinities. So school to jana padega. You can't uh, expect, you know, that straight away we will be become divinities without going through the challenging processes. So when we have somehow navigated the law of desire, we enter into the law of ambition. Here we want, we imagine big things, we try for big things, we succeed, we fail and it brings its own ups and downs, highs and lows. After some time, this sometime maybe a few lives, we discover that ambition does not increase our real worth. Our real worth is not what we have achieved but what we are. So we begin to discover something else. So now we have begun to escape the consequences of ambition, which can be pretty bad. I know as a psychiatrist once, a cardiologist consulted me and he said, uh, I have a problem. I said, what's your problem? He said, every time I am driving a car, I see a car in front of me and I want to cross it. I said, so what's the problem? He said, then there is another car and another car. There is no limit to the cars that I am all perpetually on a race. I know people who took a leave, who took a, a break so that they can go and relax themselves and came back more stressed. And the reason was very simple. They came back stressed because one of the persons I know, he went on leave, he took a holiday break and there in the morning he went to play tennis to relax and he lost the game. And whole holiday was spoiled because he lost the game while on a holiday playing against someone. So over a period of time, we cross this law of ambition. We learn. But see, each time we are learning, we are mastering something. That's how when people grow up, what do they tell their children? Uh, those who have gone, gone through life, they say, see, don't follow this path because it is dangerous. They have either learned from their mistakes or mistakes of others. So somehow we have mastered a side of fate. 
That's how we learn. No, every everything is like that. Oh, don't go to those places; they are dangerous. Still, people go and they meet with crash and they say, "Yes, yes, you had cautioned me." So, see how learning and growth is taking place. So, karma is all about learning and growth. Karma is not about reward and punishment. Karma is about learning, action or choices, and consequences and learning. And through this process, we grow. So, what's happening? Fate is basically a set of things, unpredictable element in our life, and human beings have this incessant urge to master it. That's the beautiful side. Humanity is marked by this urge to conquer fate. In fact, those who say that no, 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 we have to just accept, and they quote Indian scripture. Indian scripture is all about mastering fate. That's why when we say karma and karma fall, we have this concept of purusharta. So through purusharta, you can change a fixed destiny. There are so many instances. So then, from the vital, we enter into emotional world. There again, we have emotional challenges, etc., etc., and the consequences, learning. Then slowly, we learn the true value of things after going through a lot of suffering. So, what is suffering? Suffering is a process of learning. Suffering is not a punishment. In fact, it would be punishment if we were never taught the consequences and we believed that this private hell is. We believed it is heaven. There are some places in the world where people believe that ah, they are living in he- heaven. They don't know what they are missing. I often tell some of my friends. They, I mean, Cyprus. They go to Holland. I mean, these are all nice places. So let me not take names. Okay. Hawaii Island there, Hawaii, Hawaii. So I often say, you know, you don't know the joy of surrender and devotion that we learn from the mother's milk in India. It's something of infinite value which we learn later on. I feel so grateful to my father that he taught us bhakti and surrender and faith. I really feel that this is the greatest gift he gave me, much more than if he would have bought me a Rolls Royce or something like that. So how this learning has come over a period of time, maybe previous lives behind, that one is ready for the ultimate gifts. So this is how we learn and we grow. Then comes the next step. So then we enter into that. We go into the realms of pure knowledge. Now we want to know the ultimate things. We have crossed the vital world. Still, things will happen, but now the mind we discover that who was the knower of the field, as of now. And now we want to control all the conditions through which we can make the unpredictable predictable. So one tries all kinds of efforts, and ultimately, one uh, f- there are some in that process. There will be some. Midway stations like religion, philosophy, which give us comfort. What is the comfort? You can't control everything. Your actions, your consequences. You do this, and somewhere you will suffer. But this is a halfway home. Man cannot be satisfied with that. We are not born for halfway homes. These are belief systems that make us feel that well, we can't help it. There are things you have to just accept. That's how earthly life is. It is Maya. It is Moha. It is illusion. It's this and that. And some believe it's a temporary resting point. Why? Because it takes away the effort. 
वन ऑफ द बिगेस्ट प्रॉब्लम ऑफ ट्रेडिशनल रिलीजन इज इट टेक्स अभी द रियल एफर्ट एट सेल्फ मास्टरी सेल्फ एक्सीडिंग विच इज वॉट वी आर मेंट फॉर वी आर गिवेन अ नाइस स्टेशन वेयर देर सम बिलीव्स विच यू हैव टू बिलीव इन दैट एंड कैरी ऑन विद अ लाइफ बट देन मैन कैनॉट बी सेटिस्फाइड देयर एंड ही गोज स्टिल फर्दर ही वॉन्ट्स टू मास्टर ऑल द फोर्सेज एंड कॉन्कर फेट ऑल साइंस इज अबाउट इट एंड इंसिडेंटली ऑल स्पिरिचुअलिटी इज अबाउट इट now we see that there are two lines along which human beings advance one line is where they believe if we master all the material forces of the universe we can master fate so even nowadays there is a talk that we can find immortality by you know applying some kind of uh, i don't know cream or taking a pill and anti aging now we we believe that uh, if we master all the material forces of aging we can completely defy aging uh, people have not read the story of harinekashyap if they had would have read they would have understood it's not possible because we live in a multi tiered world now you see the mind is entering into complex things now initially it was material forces material events now we discover behind material forces there are material event there are other forces there are vital forces behind it there are mental forces occult forces so slowly one begins to become aware of multitude of forces that are operating at any given time in this creation so fate assumes a very complex character so there is this person called ravana who tries to master even those he captures the graha nakshatras and he makes them captive what does it mean it means now they these subtle forces which operate and we were fate they will listen to me they will act according to my will he tries that and yet fate chases him because there is that unseen element of fate that nobody has seen there is this greek story where we see greek in greek stories we have that zeus is the one who decides and ananke the goddess of fate she wears a mask she who simply orders all the gods she says you will now withdraw from this group you will be with this group because i have decided and they can't question they may not like it but they have to accept it but what is going to be the ultimate outcome fate is holding behind the mask and when all the gods have gone away then she lifts the mask and she who sees she who knows already so then we discovered that there is still an aspect of fate which any amount of mastery of all these forces there will be an L, unpredictable element x waiting for us so was all this learning in vain no it was very much necessary because we have to reach that point where we are now ready to discover that unpredictable element called factor x so what is this factor x it was always with us all the time as i said man accidentally seemed to rub these stones and fire came out so if we look at our life we will see always with the unpredictable always with uncertainty there has intervened in everybody's life something which gives it a strange sudden turn for good or for worse it was not that he did something and learned something and through the consequence he grew something which operates from behind and gives direction and it is this factor that now man turns to discover what is it that is prompting me what is it that is 
giving me a very gentle nudge, a subtle guidance in all our lives. I know people, so many stories and I am sure everyone has their own story and should have their own story. How the incalculable intervened in our life. And to this incalculable factor, we, we use two names or there are two aspects of this incalculable factor. One is individual and the other is cosmic or beyond the cosmic. The individual incalculable factor which can change the entire journey and why this is important. It's like the trump card. So in card game you have everything you can calculate. Trump card. <laughs> Where you will use the trump card? So we carry a trump card within. Otherwise if we just take that learning consequence, learning consequence, it will be a very long endless chain. Who knows when we will learn? Some of us will never learn. Because we are students who are enjoying in class 3. We don't want to go further. This incalculable factor in the individual is called as the human soul. And the second incalculable factor is grace. And that's why when Nirodhas, now we come to the gospel of Hiranyakashipu and the gospel of Prahlad. Nirodhavans asked what are the things that we need to know about yoga or in fact about anything in life? He says, all that you need to know is that there is a soul within and grace above. <laughs> he said, really? You mean I don't need to know anything? He says, no. If you know these two, you don't need to know anything. And he says, aren't you oversimplifying? He says, well, all who have arrived, they have said this in the end. There is soul within and grace above. Because we discover that doesn't fit into any format. You may master all the forces and yet there is the incalculable element if that is with you. None of the calculations apply. And let's take an example of these two ways of looking at life. So one example is, see it's about choices. So before the Kurukshetra war begins, so Krishna calls Arjun and he's a very fair god. <laughs> we know that. So he calls Duryodhana also. Both of them have reached and they have to make their choices. So, as things happen, Duryodhana has to make the first choice. There is a little background of the story, but that's not relevant. And Krishna gives this choice. See, uh, you can choose me, but basically I won't fight the war. I will be as a non-playing actor, non-playing player in the game. Ah, maybe I can drive somebody's chariot, give a little bit of counsel, but I am not going to fight. No, I am not going to raise a weapon. On the other side, there will be my 11 Akshohini Narayani Sena, my entire army. Now you see, this is called, this is what makes the difference. Duryodhan makes a choice of the army, thinking, Ah, thank God, today I am going to put all the Belpatra on Shiva's because he gave such a obvious choice and I am the first one. It is really grace, if he could use that word, that I have been given the first choice and the cards are so obvious, simple, plain. Thank God that Arjun was not given the first choice. Otherwise, along with his capacities, had he chosen the Narayani Sena, we were doomed. Sri Krishna says, so be it. He goes, Arjun says, Madhav, you scared me to the last bit. 
You gave that choice. Had he chosen you, what would I have done? So Krishna says, don't, don't you think that Narayani Sena is something? He said, that I can handle. But I cannot handle if you are that side. I can handle the Narayani Sena. Now you see, here we see the grand reconciliation. Arjuna has reached a point where he has mastered many of the forces. Not everybody is an Arjun who get this choice. He has mastered to that extent that he says, let 11 Akshani Sena be on that side. That I can handle. You see? He says, but Madhav, I can't handle you. I want you to handle me. See what he has done. Both things are required. One is Purusharth. Sri Krishna doesn't tell Arjun, don't worry, I am with you guys. Done. He tells Arjun, go and seek weapons, celestial weapons from the gods. And Arjun does, does tapasya. He seeks celestial weapons. He prays to have Shakti before the war begins. And then, uh, in spite of all that, Arjuna has mastered all this. Now comes that incalculable factor. What is that incalculable factor? In yoga it is called as the divine will. We can use the word grace, we can use the word divine will, we can use the word love. There are different ways of looking at the same thing. Because grace is not just that which uh, saves me when everybody drowns in a boat capsize. Grace is also that snatches away the last straw from my hand while all the rest are saved. So you see, you can call it grace if you have that kind of faith or you can call it divine will. Honi, ho hi hai so hi jo ram arachi rakha ko kari tarka badhavai sakha. So Indian thought always knew that there is this element and how does this element operate? It looks like it is operating arbitrarily. Because it doesn't come within the framework of mind. But here comes this aspect of our human journey. That this human journey is not just about my learning and growing meaninglessly and aimlessly. I become a better human being, more powerful human being. I can avoid all the suffering in my life. It's not about that. Very beautifully in the life divine, Shurabindu says, the ascent, the ascent to the uh, towards God is the human journey, the work of works, the acceptable sacrifice. So this journey is leading us towards a grand, not just pilgrimage, but a fusion with the divine and becoming divine. So mind does not have this format within itself because it is facing challenges, it is growing. It may believe that, oh, some cruel God has planned all this, some monster. Or it may believe that it's my karma. Or it may believe this or that. It may believe it's chance, random, doesn't matter. But through all this, a mysterious march is going on, taking us towards a grand event. And that's what is the divine will, which is operating in creation. And ultimately, how much ever strong we may be, how much ever powerful, even if we have mastered all the forces in all the worlds, still that incalculable element will upset because it's coming from the future. Fate is about mastering the forces of present and the past. But the future's unseen face is always in the hands of the divine. 
He lets the ball move according to our actions and consequences. So far as we have to just grow through the ego. That's how Shivindo starts essays on the Gita. But where the actions enters a crucial stage, then suddenly he intervenes and changes the course of destiny. That's what we see in Mahabharata. Wherever the actions is growing through a natural course because the protagonists have to grow. So there are two kinds of things that happen in life. One is normal action, consequences, learning, growth. This we have just studied. And it is important because through it we become stronger. Every time we have a suffering, we have an adverse fate. There are people who curse, complain, blame. Which is the worst thing because it doesn't help. But the wise ones say it is a challenge. So every adverse fate makes them grow stronger, wiser and more compassionate. You want to know what wisdom is? You will see that wisdom is something which is always very compassionate. Why compassion develops with wisdom? Because you have gone through the challenges yourself. You know it's not easy. Somebody who has not gone through the challenges is quick to condemn. These are the kind of people who believe in reward and punishment. Bhagwan sajadega, etc, etc. But when one has gone through everything, then one adopts a more compassionate, one understands how difficult life is. Human journey with all its countless limitations. I know one. See how suffering, we, we have a lot of psychological suffering, this just as an aside. But of course, because suffering is an aspect of fate. So there was a lady here. Uh, she was a very good, uh, she was a French dramatist, actor, director, um, Though by origin she was Russian, but then, you know, she, she had lived in France. Then she came here. She was a devotee. And last six months, she had taken a lot of liking to me. And I used to go every week and talk to her. One day suddenly she says, I have a great news to share with you. What is our news? Ram Mandir ka banega, BJP power mein aari ki kaun hai. Okay, for us probably that applies. But she had a wonderful news. She says, I have forgiven my husband. I said, okay, that's great. She said, 30 years. They were separated for 30 years. After 30 years, finally I have forgiven him. I said, this is really news because this is a much rare event than all the other things. But tell me, how did you do it? She said, one day, she said, I was always, I used to feel that grudge. Then suddenly I remembered what Krishna has said in the Gita. Yantra, Rudhini, Maya, men are like fly caught on the wheel, driven by the forces that are driving the wheel, but they think they are driving it. Now comes another aspect of fate. We believe that we are the ones who are acting, we are having consequences, we are learning, growing. (laughs) But who is pushing us to act and who is making us learn? There is within us this soul which chooses, accepts things which our mind would refuse and reject and makes us learn through it. Otherwise, in our ego, we think sitting on the wheel, we are rolling the wheel. The fly believes it is rolling the wheel. Ah, today I have rolled the wheel so much distance. One fly will fly away and say, you know, another will join. They say, I rolled it further, not knowing that I am just caught in that whole movement. So when we begin to discover that we we were being made to learn, We were pushed through the jigsaw puzzle of life. 
through something which is within us, which prompts us to grow, prompts us to progress, prompts us to take the challenge, then we are ready for the soul. We are ready for the grace when, when we understand with utter humility that however much we may master, conquer everything, there is something which we don't know. This humility opens the doors to grace. And when we understand that me, me, I mastered, I discovered vitamin A, but I have not discovered vitamin D and vitamin S, vitamin divine and vitamin soul, then we discovered that, oh, this is the most important. From behind, it was this which was taking us through the jigsaw puzzle. Why did I go through certain set of circumstances and not someone else? It was not a random game. It looked random. Then a new knowledge begins to operate within us. And we begin to consciously choose even what may seem paradoxically to be something which the ego would not want. Shubhinda says in one place, that you know the ego knows it has to be crucified so that the true son of God he may emerge the psychic being can emerge it goes through suffering it goes through pain so see now different levels of truth about fate begin to appear before us then we understand what Shabinda means when he says there is a freedom in every face of fate the soul is the artisan of its fate this applies at a very deep level Soul doesn't act according to the ego. Soul is the, oh, did I really choose? There is a child who died at the age of four. He came under a car. And the mother says his soul wanted just this one little experience. Can you imagine? What would it want? How will that experience help? Somebody may ask. It would help. When suddenly you get a shock about the utter unpredictability of life. You may take a leap. That's how Shivindra describes in Savitri. That all that transpires on earth and all beyond are parts of an illimitable plan. The one holds in his heart. And then he says that the events that shape our lives are subliminal quiverings of things that are hidden. And what are they doing? Digging a tunnel through emergency. When it wants to take a shortcut. I don't want to go through long distance. Now I am going to take an extreme event. Now this cannot be done by a mental calculation. One can't say, okay, okay, let me go through an extreme experience. No, it can't be done like that. Then it's not incalculable element of the soul, but a foolish mind which is operating. But a soul goes through that and it takes a leap across by taking upon itself an extreme challenge. So sometimes when life seems difficult, when it seems that all the doors have been closed, there are people who would say, what kind of God is he? And the wise ones say, thank God, he closed the doors, all doors, so that I can open that one door, which is waiting for me, that divine lover and beloved. You see, when Sri goes to Alipur, what does he say? What did I ask of you? I just wanted that, you know, I want to be protected till India gets freedom. But you have brought me here. And then all that he hears from Sri Krishna is wait and see. And then he says, I waited. First the restlessness passed away. 
Then he showed me why he had brought me to the jail and how he is going to now act that in the lawyer, in the opposite lawyer, in the judge, everybody is just like it seems on the surface that Duryodhana chose and Arjun chose. But Krishna in Duryodhana made him go through that choice because he is in that kindergarten school where he has to learn. And Krishna in Arjuna arranged the circumstances that Arjuna made a choice because he had reached that point of maximum personal effort, not just physically, emotionally, psychologically. I mean, he had really, day and night, he had learnt how to see in the night and shoot arrows. So he was ready for that divine grace. So you see, effort and grace, some people take extreme attitude. Effort prepares us to grip for the grace. Duryodhana had lost his time in just ambition, ego. He was a yodha, fine. But he had not worked towards self-mastery. He had a lot of homework to do. Karna, he had not worked towards self-mastery. He mistook certain virtues for ultimate. Arjuna had worked towards both. He had so many challenges in life. From childhood, Papa is not there. He is hearing everybody's insults and abuses. And in spite of all that, people will say, how had Arjuna mastered himself? Well, very simple. In spite of all that he had to undergo, he never held any grudge or bitterness. Even towards Karna. Just imagine the contrast. People often say how Karna died. See, Karna is holding a grudge. I want to prove myself number one for which I want to kill Arjuna. That's his one track mind. And Arjun, on the battlefield, he has a chance to kill Arjuna and he, uh, and he says, Keshav, are you sure should I do this? This is the difference. One is a person who has mastered material forces, Karna, but not the psychological forces. And the other is, has mastered not only physical forces, but psychological forces. And to such a person, we see that finishing touch given by the grace up till now, the journey was prompted by his soul from behind, choosing situation, circumstances. From behind, divine is prompting. And then a time comes when the soul and the grace come together. And wherever the two come together, Krishna and Arjun, there there is victory. So this is the whole journey. And Shubhindo described this in Savitri. And before we read that line, so what does it mean? The message, take home point is, if you want to master fate, find the soul and turn to the grace. Short of it, we may master everything, like Hiranyakashyap, still fate will have the upper hand. And what happens when we find the soul and master the, and, and open to the grace? Then we discover something very beautiful. We discover the Maha Mantra of the Yoga. No human will can finally prevail against the Divine will. Put yourself deliberately on the side of the Divine and the victory is certain. So what does it mean? The most, the best prayer, most logical prayer. We pray for so many things. Sometimes they are granted, sometimes they are not granted. Heaven's wiser love rejects the mortal's prayer. What is the highest prayer? Let thy will be done. It's the most logical. In any case, ultimately it will be done. 
in any case you can't change it the only freedom available to man is to unite his individual will with the divine will but this individual will cannot unite with the divine will if it is weak it has to grow strong then only it can bear that it's not like just i give my will to you let thy will be done it has to be so strong that it has to bear and express the divine will see all those who have expressed the divine will in their life how they have done shobindo and the mother's life are a shining example how what all they could had to go through why they went through because their will had surrendered to the divine will any of us would break down under those circumstances so all the journey was to make our will stronger and wiser till finally we make the supreme act of wisdom that i surrender and let thy will be done it doesn't mean i'll not act but now my strong will is at the feet divine and then fate is always kalyanakrath everything grows beautiful by that marvelous touch and we go safely through life victoriously not with our head bowed down because on our chariot dwells the one who is the master of fate and destiny so these are the lines page 456 the way of fate and the problem of pain then ashwapati answered to the seer is then the spirit ruled by an outward world o seer is there no remedy within but what is fate if not the spirit's will after long time fulfilled by cosmic force so he is perplexed savitri has made a choice which is outwardly dangerous she knows that her husband is going to die why is she making that choice why is she choosing something which a sensible person should not do so narad sansar but narad answered covering truth with truth o ashwapati random seem the way random seem the ways along whose banks your footsteps stray or run in casual hours or moment of the gods so fate is not about guilt and complaining these things have no place in yoga you did something you grow you learn that is the minimum and maximum is you take it as a turning point of your life to discover your soul and open to the grace yet your least stumblings are foreseen above it may look like a stumble you see how arjuna's marriage with subhadra shri krishna's wife uh, sister changed in many ways the um, political equations of that time and see how their child abhimanyu and abhimanyu's son will bear the fruit of the future will become the you know uh, he is it's very interesting if you go through that lineage i am not entering into it it may seem like a casual event it may seem that shooting being there at the right time when arrow has to be shot through the eye of the fish and arjun shoots the arrow but if he would not have been there at that point of time and karna or somebody else would have done it 
the whole scenario would have been different. Again, it may seem adverse fate that Kunti, first of all, that's not the exact story, but even if you take it, that all the five brothers married one lady, it may seem, oh, what a fate. But for that fate, they all remained united. And it's described beautifully in Ma. The reason why Yudhishthir accepts this, it was not a blind that go, go, all of you get married and they accept it. Yudhishthir is wise. He says, I understand this is going to keep us together. And then, finally, when she is being disrobed, that tilted the balance so completely against the Korvas. Wherever a woman is disrespected, there Sri goes away. Victory goes away. So this was the great message. And it may look like a random series of events, but there was behind it a play of wisdom which was operating. So he says, yet your least stumblings are foreseen above. Infallibly the curves of life are drawn, following the streams of following the stream of time through the unknown. They are led by a clue the calm immortals keep. So the clue is kept by the gods who are weaving the thread. It seems our actions. And they pick up and through that action they weave one little strand, then another action. But who is pushing us to act? Forces of ignorance. Who is behind the force of ignorance? So it's a whole net which has been designed to make us grow. We are programmed to grow and progress. And whatever we may do, whether we like it or not, whether we believe in God or not, regardless, people will grow. They will be compelled to grow. They may complain, they may grudge, they may blame God, they may blame destiny, but they will grow. The universe is designed so that man may grow, I mean the entire creation grows and at the point of time when man comes, he can transcend fate as in ignorance and become one with the divine. That is the inevitable destiny and everything is pushing us towards that. On the next page, just a few lines we'll read then close, page 457. The mind of mortal man is led by words. His sight retires behind the walls of thought and looks out only through half-open doors. He cuts the boundless truth into sky strips. That's why we can't understand. Because again, we not only see things along a continuum, we see them in a small cross-section. You did this and therefore you got this result. Most often it doesn't fit also. But life is running, this stream of life is running through Lives behind, their life behind. That's why Arjun probably asked Sri Krishna. He doesn't ask, but there is implied. He says, Who are you? Implied within it is also, Who am I? <laughs> you are giving this jnana to me. Why? And then he says, You and me have fought the battle of the ages, Arjun. You have forgotten, but I remember. Now you see, it's not that suddenly one Arjun is created and given this grace. So there is a stream. We cut it into steps. And every step he takes for all the heavens. He stares at infinite possibility and gives to the plastic vast the name of chance. That's what we are discussing. Chance, I don't know why it happened. When you master it, it's no more chance. You have changed it. You have discovered the law of working. And therefore, you change life. Last mastery, self-mastery. You master the outer world, then the inner worlds and finally self-mastery. 
planning a sequence he sees the long results of an all wise force planning a sequence of steps in endless time but in its links imagines a senseless chain now the greater truth is all this has been planned out the child has gone through school cursed the mama cursed the teachers did all kinds of things or bought a chocolate because he did well at the end what does he discover oh my parents had planned it all for me they put me in this kind of a schooling process because they wanted one day that i grow up become strong and wise but when we are going through we don't see that whole sequence but in its links imagines a senseless chain or the dead hand of cold necessity he answers not to the mystic mother's heart misses the ardent heavings of her breast and feels cold rigid limbs of lifeless law the will of the timeless working out in time in the free absolute steps of cosmic truth he thinks a dead machine or unconscious fate it is the will of the divine working through time taking our will taking our mind as it today stands in ignorance using it this ignorance to ultimately lead us towards knowledge so this divine will is operating takes us just as we are if we are hard material it puts the hammer is also hammer of titanic toil if we are soft material he makes it little harder if we are the right consistency then he makes very quickly a deva murti out of it so as is the material offered so is the method when we are very hard inside the ways of the divine are also seem hard when we grow develop that's why they say the fate in gita is according to the tamas rajas sattva of course there is something still higher which gita hints says as is the material so is the hand of the divine worker but he is going to shape what he has decided and we cannot change it we may cry but he is going to hit the stone heart till it becomes a devamurti and now you see ultimately the hard stone has its recompense when you make a devamurti out of hard stone it endures when you make it out of clay soft as it is gentle as the hands are it has a limited so in it so beautifully planned this universe that for every trouble every challenge every difficulty there is a recompense and the greatest of those who are born for greatness they have to go through much greater challenges in life why because now they are being shaped as shubhendu writes in savitri elsewhere that the the spirit rises mighty mightier with each defeat it's got like wings grow wide with every fall so every time we miss something or we fall or we fail something within us grows stronger and wider and climbs higher this is how fate operates it doesn't mean we keep falling it means if we keep falling <laughs> i remember one <laughs> incidents it happened in dining room a dining room once on the staircase it was very wet heavy rain and i slipped and fell well i got up i thought nobody has seen but somebody has seen so <laughs> i fell again and this lady who was watching over me suddenly comes oh great man has fallen i said greatness is not in not falling because everybody falls i am not unique but greatness is in ability to get up after falling 
And then I said, see, I've got up. <laughs> and I started <laughs> Because that's how one learns. That's a process. That's why I said, the more you reach, wisdom brings compassion. Maheshwari is wise and tranquil and compassionate. And finally, the last punchline. A magician's formulas have made matters laws. They are made in such a way, they seem rigid and they seem to yield. Look at it. It looks, matter is hard law. And yet, if you learn how to handle it, it will yield some secret. And while they last, all things by them are bound. But the spirit's consent is needed for each act. And freedom walks in the same pace with law. All here can change if the magician chose. If human will could be made one with God's. If human thought could echo the thoughts of God. Man might be all-knowing and omnipotent. But now he walks in nature's doubtful ray. This aspect with the small little story we learned. Of course we know Savitri. Fate can change. This is the message of Savitri. But to change fate, you need to ultimately conquer all the forces that have weaving fate. And man is born to conquer them. That's the beauty. We are given that great task and thereby reshape this world because there are plenty of forces of ignorance. They are serving a purpose. The day we conquer, each one conquering the possibility of adverse, hostile and all these forces actually makes this earth become better. So man can do that, but he has to take one last step. We see in Savitri's story, Satyavan tells, Sir, I have done this, I have done that, I have achieved, but you know what? I am missing that golden link between matter and spirit. Last bastion of ignorance and forces is matter. But you have now come, and with your coming, I think that link I have found. The last act is the act of surrendering to grace. So the story is of Markande who is apparently given 12 years to live. And after 12 years, Yama comes and Yama says, Come, your time is over. And Markande says, Who are you? I know only Shiva. He says, I am Kala. I decide everybody's fate. Come, your time is up. And all that Markande is to do is to say, you are Kala, but I am in the seva of Mahakala. And Yama has to go away. So, we can look at the story this way. Mahakala is greater than Kal. Okay, that's obvious. But the other aspect of the story is, what was Kala doing? Kal was chasing Markande to reach that point where he gives himself entirely into the hands of Mahakala. That's how we are chased by fate. Till we reach a point when we surrender ourselves to the divine will and say, Jis vid rakho prabhu. <laughs> Different ways mystics have said the same thing. Mother has said it in the most beautiful and simplest way. Let thy will be done. Let thy will be done. Let thy will be done. To which we may add, let thy will be done and not mine. And 
let my will be united with thy will so that i may will nothing which does not come directly from thee okay namaste and uh, bonane